I wanted to come up with a name that really embodied this vision of being disciplined and detailed and metrics driven. And I built this landing page, basically a pretty simple website. I ran Google AdWords for Amazon repricing software. That night I got a lead and immediately the first ever lead became a customer. It was literally the first ever person that responded to an ad from Takeometrics became a customer immediately. Well, wow. and you know, the rest is history. Welcome to the very first episode of Human in the Loop. My name is Cameron Yoder, and I will be your host throughout the entirety of this show, and dare I say, this experience. Uh, whether you're watching this on video or listening to it in audio, I'm so glad that you're here. We have a lot in store for you throughout the entirety of the show. First question, of course, is gonna be, what in the world is a human in the loop? And why is this show called that? What are we talking about here? It's a really good question. A human in the loop is a person that is leveraging a machine or technology to achieve a result far greater than either could on their own. So a human in the loop is basically someone that is leveraging cutting edge technology, okay? And this show encompasses that very theme. It encompasses uh, the idea, the theme of this interesting interaction that's going on in today's e-commerce world specifically, where human is leveraging machine technology to achieve insane results that neither could achieve on their own. And I intend to explore that theme in a number of different ways and with a number of different stories. I've been in e-commerce for, I think, close to 15 years now, and we are truly at a turning point in the industry now where technology is changing and growing at a rapid pace. And you as a, as a human being, as a person, need to understand what's happening and what's changing in the world today to stay ahead of this technology to continue growing. And so my goal on this show is to help pull out stories, experiences, and strategy that you've never seen before in an e-commerce podcast. There are other e-commerce podcasts that are out there, yes, uh, but my goal is to find people that you've never heard before in an e-com podcast, and also to host conversations that uh, you, that someone who's been selling for 20 years in e-com or someone who doesn't sell at all will enjoy seeing. And so we'll explore everything from artificial intelligence in e-commerce, uh, TikTok, data analysis, uh, while also exploring stories behind sellers that are crushing it today using cutting edge technology and or the most modern day strategies. Like you'll see in the first 10 episodes specifically, a number of sellers that started on TikTok that are crushing it. And so I intend to pull out these strategies and these stories and hopefully help you learn something along the way, all while enjoying yourself in this crazy, crazy podcast show called Human in the Loop. This very first episode specifically is with Alistair McLean Foreman, who is the CEO and founder of Takeometrics, which is one of the most cutting edge technology SaaS companies in e-commerce today, specifically focused on advertising. But this episode specifically, I I wanted to pull out more, more of Alistair's story because Alistair has a really interesting story as one of the very first sellers on Amazon, leading all the way up to starting his own software company, Takeometrics, and becoming the CEO of this incredible, very large software company. What does this story look like from one of the first Amazon sellers ever 
to successful seller software CEO and founder. And believe it or not, Alistair was actually selling products online before Amazon was a thing and had a conversation with one of the first Amazon, uh, what, did he, what did Alistair say? One of the first people basically that built Amazon, specifically Amazon ads, uh, and that that guy that he he met with, he talked, he tells a story about this, but he that guy he was talking with bought donuts for the very first six Amazon sellers ever. I don't want to spoil the, the episode too much, but this is a really interesting conversation with one of the first ever Amazon sellers making his way up all the way to software CEO. So there's a lot to cover. I'm looking forward to the many episodes to come, but on this first episode, let's see what Alistair has to say and enjoy the very first episode of Human in the Loop. All right, everyone, I'm here with Alistair, the founder and current CEO of Takeometrics. And the story of, the goal of this episode is to really pull out Alistair's story. The title explains it all, from third-party seller to software CEO. There's a really interesting story there and what a journey it is and what a journey it's been. So Alistair, thank you for being here. Uh, you are the current founder and CEO of Takeometrics. And not many people know this, but you are the were one of the first third-party sellers on Amazon. That's a really interesting story. And we'll get to where things are now because there's a lot of things that's happened. But my goal, my hope with this is to really pull out what that transition looks like. Because there are a lot of people out there that are current sellers that aspire to be something like the founder of a software company or are on that path right now. So let's start at the beginning. Let's start all the way at, at the front of this. Where does this story start? What led you to even start considering selling on Amazon? Well, thanks, Cameron. And wow, I'm going to age myself for this. It's <laughs> a long time. And uh, genuinely, we're talking about 20 years ago, two decades ago. I was in my dorm room in college, and I'd come over from the UK. And genuinely, I was selling products to pay for school. And uh, I got a email, I think it was an email from Amazon, who was at the time a book website. <laughs> and they said, hey, we've done a project with Toys R Us. We're selling other products outside of books. You've got some interesting stuff. We would love for you to be part of this new marketplace. And I said, well, that doesn't sound great because you're a book website. So that's <laughs> how long ago we're talking. Well, do you, did you... Do you still have that email? Did you take a screenshot of that? I don't have the email, but I have a fax, which I've uh, kept onto a screenshot of a fax. <laughs> and it was from a Amazon subsidiary uh, in, uh, I think it was in Nevada. And it was really Amazon doing what it really always does, which is test out, innovate, and try new things. And mm. it, the marketplace was basically an early bet. And here we are today with, $500 billion going through the marketplace. You know, the vast majority of US e-commerce going through the marketplace. And yeah. I yep. was very, very fortunate, very lucky to be one of those first third-party sellers back in, in 2003. So does this mean, you, you mentioned that at the time it had just been a book selling website. Does that mean at that time you were you were selling books, textbooks, maybe any kind of book to pay for college. Like what what did that look no, like? No, no, actually, um, you know, I was selling a different product. Uh, I at the time actually came over to the US mm -hmm. 
to study. I was the uh, captain of the Harvard track team, um, but I wasn't the captain at the time because I was in soft, uh, my sophomore year. And um, I was really focused on on sports and, and running. Uh, I'd run for the Great Britain athletics team in the 800 meters. And that's what led me to the US to study and, and, and do sports, uh, which is actually something that's so amazing about this country. And um, I found out that there's a lot, there's a lot to pay for, even if you're, uh, you know, living on uh, in a dorm and, and, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a lot to pay for. Yeah. So um, I actually ended up selling, well, the, the full story is I uh, had a, a watch uh, that was given to me by uh, the British Olympic training team Whoa. and uh, the watch broke and um, I called up the 1-800 number. And on the auto, <laughs> and yeah, on the auto attendant, it was literally one of those uh, sort of auto automated messages which said, "Hey, press one for a consumer, press two for a dealer." And really, I didn't have anything to lose, so I said, "Press two for a dealer," and said, "What does it take to become a dealer of these products?" And you know, they said you needed to buy buy X number of products, and um, wow. I actually. Um, I might get in trouble by saying this and uh you know i actually borrowed uh money from the university to um buy a laptop yep and uh, because they had a student loan program and i took that money i didn't buy a laptop i bought a load of watches wow i built a dot-com website and that dot-com website actually got indexed in google and this was before google ads were really a thing certainly before um google shopping was a thing and really, that website became really uh, well indexed. Um, so I, I was making money online selling these watches yep. that I really enjoyed, and it was pretty cool as a, as a as a young kid, basically <laughs> getting all of the cool gadgets that you wanted and making money from them. Mm, well. And um, I actually ended up building, you know, a pretty successful website, and that was actually in two thousand and one, two thousand and two. And we then sort of added more, we, meaning me, added more and more products very profitably. And I think what Amazon was doing, they had gone through, obviously, the books being the the, the starting point, but then they had various different efforts. At the time, there was a, a sort of a system called Z Shops. Hmm. So at that time, there was uh, Yahoo Shopping and Z Shops. There was no Shopify. Wow. And, uh, of course, and and basically... You would either go onto a dot-com website to sell your products, you could use eBay, and I did mm -hmm. some of that. But there really wasn't this idea of a marketplace, right? So um, I think what Amazon had tried to do and false started a few times is, is do something like Z Shops, and it was a bit clunky, a little bit like Yahoo Shopping. And then they really went for this big marketplace <laughs> idea. And I mm -hmm. think what they had had was a, a, a group of folks probably inside of Amazon looking for all of the different niche categories. And they came across um, heart rate monitor watches and Timex GPS speed and distance watches that were really fast growing as a category. And then they found my little website and they reached out and said, hey, why don't you sell your products on our, our, our uh, new marketplace model? So then you, you brought that, you brought your products onto Amazon? Did you, you transition over to it? Well, I, was it Amazon well, honestly, then? Honestly, I mean, this is what's so funny about this. I, I actually was like, well, no, it just sounds like a terrible deal paying you 15% to list the products on Amazon. Yep. 
And that's what's so interesting about this journey I've been on, because today the blended amounts, when you combine ads, FBA fees, uh, commission fees, is around 53%. Crazy. So over that sort of 20-year span, Amazon has really taken a huge amount of mm. the, the the margin, taken a huge amount of the transaction. So when I first started, it was 15%. And I was like, well, why would I do that? What was happening to me is very, very profitable. It was all through organic Google search. Mm. And really, there was no Google ads at that time either. Mm. So it was just a very, very exciting time for me. Um, you know, I made friends with the um, dorm room mail clerk and all of these boxes would arrive and I would literally, you know, I'm supposed to be studying, but what I was doing is, you know, printing out these uh, shipping labels and then walking <laughs> down to the, the post office and, and shipping them in um, USPS priority mailers. Wow. And so there was no overhead cost, no customer acquisition cost. I really confused the brands actually because I would just call them up and they would appear at, at the dorm. Um, I remember meeting, you know, folks from like Oakley sunglasses. I basically went through every product that I wanted. I wanted a pair of Oakley sunglasses. So I went and did the same thing, called up Oakley and said, Hey, I want to sell your products. They said, Well, where are you? I gave them the address and and the the national sales manager showed up no at, at my dorm. Wait, wait, did they show up because like was it because of the amount of traffic that you had on your website or it, that was just simply how it worked at the time? You said, I want to well, sell you Well, it's a really stuff. interesting, yeah, it's a great question. It's really interesting because I think there's, and it's still here today, right? Mm -hmm. There's this question of channels, right? Mm -hmm. If you're a brand, where should you sell? Should you sell on Amazon? How do you sell online? What's your brick and mortar strategy? And I think it's amazing to see these challenges still uh, as as we do today at Take Metrics. We we listen to a lot of these challenges. You know which channels. Um, we've just added the CEO of Solo Stove as an example mm -hmm. to our board. And um, if you listen to the earnings calls for Solo Stove and John Merris is the CEO, a lot of what he's talking about is the channels, right? Um, yep. Costco, um, Dick Sporting Goods. Amazon, Walmart, and obviously we're um, partnering with with them to scale on on those marketplaces, Amazon or Walmart. But you know, if you go back in time to to me sitting in my dorm room, similar. Mm -hmm. And what I was really able to do, which is somewhat of just capturing a small window of time, is is to actually reach out to these brands and say, "Hey, I just want to buy your products at wholesale." And really they were very confused because online at that time i mean we're talking 2001 at this point really, really. Yep. was um really not part of their playbook mm -hmm. um so i was able to ask them some pretty direct questions i i sort of said well i want to buy your products um they would sometimes ask well you have to have a brick and mortar resale store um, and some didn't ask that question. Mm. And those that didn't ask that question, I just bought the product. So I was basically getting really early on around this leaner business model. But the folks I was talking to on the on the brand side, they were used to talking to brick and mortar stores. Yep. Oh, I'm sure they very few people were doing what you were doing. It, that That's so out of all the people that have sold on Amazon and done e-commerce. I I truly think this is one of the if not the earliest 
beginnings well, I, in e-commerce. I think that's, uh, you know, what I actually just want to make an important point here. You know, when I talk to our brands at Takeometrics, I'm much more impressed with what they've done versus what I did. And and the main main piece is we're talking and helping brands today at Takeometrics that are the brand owners. Yeah. What I was doing was not what we now call retail arbitrage. It was more about reselling yep. branded products. Yep. And um, you know, of course, if you have the ability to get really, really good products with a lot of IP. Let's call it Oakley sunglasses, an example. And you the, are really the only seller on Amazon. You've got a really good position, mm-hmm. and that's where things have changed over those twenty years. Mm-hmm. What's happened now is, of course, brands are, are transacting directly, and actually, that is my journey. Instead yeah. of being the reseller, I'm really helping the brands, or we as a company, are helping the brands directly. Um, but there's some interesting uh, dynamics, um, you know, that those questions are around retail channels. I remember one as an example, um, you know, one of the brands and, and actually I think it was Oakley that was one of these brands said, well, you have to have a physical retail store. If you, you know, there's no way that we can sell you these products without authorization. Hmm. And uh, literally, uh, you know, as a college kid, I, I went and looked and, and rented a uh, retail store that I could cycle to. So I would, uh, again, supposed to be studying and, and, <laughs> and working out for the track team, but I somehow was able to sort of fit this in. And I, I rented a retail store and then I called up the uh, national sales manager again. And um, she actually came to that retail store and was probably even more confused. But <laughs> we were sitting there in this tiny little retail store. And I said, look, you told me I had to have a retail store. You have to have brick and mortar. And I was able to get that contract. And actually what was cool about that is they invited me to the Oakley headquarters and I made a case of why, you know, I was going to add value building a website. And, um, yeah. And then, you know, that gave us a a really, or gave me a big advantage to sell those products. So, you know, that's what I ended up doing. Um, and it's a different world now. Because it, it is, like it is but, but the, yeah. the interesting thing is that there are still a lot of similarities that carry over into today. The logistics of everything and probably some red tape between getting started and, and doing that is probably different. But there are, I'm guessing, a lot of similarities that people start, especially when they're starting out with experience today. And I'm curious to unpack that. I, I kind of want to transition over to like what the beginning of heading into the software aspect of this story comes in, Takeometrics, right? So where, what did that transition look like? When when did Takeometrics start coming into the picture? Right, and I think you know what was born out of that and, and really the challenge of figuring out Amazon, mm-hmm. you know, even in the early stages, um, really created this need that as a company today, that's our obsession. You know, mm-hmm. our customer is the brand or the seller, right? Basically the brand or the seller. Whereas Amazon's focus is the consumer, mm-hmm. lowest prices, maximum convenience and selection. Those are the three things that really define who Amazon is. And they're an amazing company, an incredible company, if not the world's most customer centric company. And they've done extremely well around that. But if you are a seller or a brand from the very beginning, it's challenging. Yep. 
And, you know, whether that's the initial setup in 2003, you know, how do you get your listings on? How do you, um, the amount of times I was suspended from selling on Amazon due to, you know, not meeting the right criteria in terms of response times, mm. um, you know, false positives for getting your listings taken down, you know, three days before Black Friday and all of the, the pain, that challenge still exists for the largest brands on Amazon, the largest brands on, on also Amazon and Walmart or, or TikTok shops or whatever the new channel is. So what the, the initial journey for Takeometrics started when I experienced challenges interfacing with a third party seller um, situation on, on Amazon. And um, really the journey was um, pretty arduous. Um, I actually slept in my office for a couple of years because I had acquired too much inventory. I, I you know, was very profitable, as I mentioned in, in college in the early days, because I had no overhead costs mm -hmm. and no advertising costs. And it was just sort of very, very rapid. In fact, I made some really embarrassing mistakes, which I think also have created some really important, passionate meaning around Takeometrics. And I would actually go around, in my mind, thinking I was making a million dollars a year, hmm. looking at that top line number that shows up in the Amazon Seller Central interface. So that's, that was the number <clears throat> that was the number that was on the dashboard was like a million. Well, yeah, and yeah, like we we I was able to scale, you know, far beyond that. But there's yeah. a huge difference. A million in, in sales oh. on Amazon or any platform, it, it doesn't mean anything. It's yeah. all about what is your gross margin. Mm. And if you think about all of the components and all of the um, sort of the, the components that impact your profitability, that's really what built the, the first ideas around Takeometrics. So yep. to go into the actual story of transitioning to a software company, I was fortunate enough after all the ups and downs, you know, going very profitable in the early stages, overextending myself, you know, renting uh, an even bigger retail space so big that I actually had to sleep in it for two years after graduating um, and actually accumulating a ton of inventory. I was actually fortunate enough to sell, sell the business. And, um, you know, I, I thought to myself, well, I, I initially focused on sporting goods because I had a passion there why don't I just start selling loads of different categories on Amazon? So I started to screen scrape. This was in um, about 2010. Okay. Um, and start to screen scrape um, all of the different categories, start to model out what would be the most attractive categories. In a way, it was probably a strategy similar to what has built the Jungle Scout business or the Helium 10 business. That when, early when, when, you see, when you say screen scrape, what exactly, what, what does that mean? Like just going through category by category, page by page? With software. With software. Um, and, and if you think about, you know, I'm sure a lot of uh, Amazon sellers are very familiar with, um, or any brands uh, are familiar with the tools, Jungle Scout and Helium 10 and mm -hmm. market research type tools. So I was doing something pretty similar to that early on mm -hmm. and um, started to build tools around that. And then also building repricing tools. Um, around pricing optimization and then FBA inventory management. And um, it wasn't until, so I basically was able to go very quickly and start a new company that was much more tech oriented. Yeah. 
and and was was were you creating these solutions for yourself like for that that business side of things where you were you created them for yourself initially yes that's right okay. um i did and um i ended up it was, it was actually really genuinely uh kind of a, a a quick story in the sense that i was at a uh, a friend's party in new york city and um um, my friend's brother came over to me and said, Hey, what are you up to? And I said, well, I'm still selling products online. And, um, I started telling him about what advantage we had around the software. And he said to me, well, I think that software idea is actually more valuable than selling the products. And, um, I actually took a bus back from New York city at the time. There was a, I think it was $9. Um, you could get a bus from New York city back to Boston. I was with my girlfriend at the time, uh, who's now my wife, and um, I created a website on the bus, on you know, using the Wi-Fi on the bus. And I was thinking of what, well, what do I call this business? Um, and I studied econometrics in school, and I visited Japan a couple of times. So taker is the Japanese word for market price, or literally means decide value. I wanted to come up with a name that really embodied this vision of being disciplined and detailed and metrics driven. And I built this landing page, basically a pretty simple website. I ran Google AdWords for Amazon repricing software. Hmm. That night I got a lead uh, wow. and, and immediately the first ever lead became a customer. Wow. And, um, and that's not an exaggeration. It, it wasn't like there were a, a number of people that, that came in. Um, and you know, I went through a sales call or whatever. It was literally the first ever person that responded to an ad from Takeometrics became a customer immediately. Wow. wow. And, um, we ended up saying, you send us a feed of your products through CS, uh, as a file, mm -hmm. and we'll send you back a CSV of the optimizations. Um, well, you know, I work with, uh, one of the folks that um, was helping build the technology with me and we actually designed an interface and we uh, actually, instead of providing the CSV, we just said, here, you can log in. And that became wow. the first Tokometrics product. And, um, you know, the rest is history. We've got thousands of customers since that day. And, um, and really that's the journey. That's the start of the software business mm. that is Tokometrics today. So what what was your so that was the the concept obviously was was proven very very quickly right and then like you said from there <clears throat> things just escalated into okay what problems do sellers have how do we solve those software is is a way to scale um, yeah I, th I think you know ahead. just from a software startup perspective I think one of the most key concepts is product market fit. And uh, Mark Andreessen, you know, founder of Andreessen Horowitz, you know, he's considered one of the you know, most um, sort of pioneering VC investors. Mm. And there's a famous paper that he wrote and published around product market fit being the most important thing. And I truly believe that when you're looking at investing in companies or looking at startup stories, it's really, really hard to create product market fit. Mm. You can have an amazing team. And if you don't have product market fit, it will fail. You can have a pretty average team or a bad team or be like me, just, you know, pretty scrappy and, um, pretty bad at a lot of things, but because we had product market fit or I had product market fit in 
in in day one, which was solving my own problem as an early Amazon seller. That's what gave us that little sort of glowing ember. And really the journey for Tokometrics has been very lucky because it just turns out that there are millions of other people who've got that problem. And Amazon did pan out to be much more than a book website. Yeah. And we, we've just been sort of riding that wave and, and that's where luck's involved. Um, I was just lucky to get there, have product market fit due to my own pain and then offer that to someone else. Was, was there, so obviously this, this part of the story starts like the scale up to, to today where Ticketmetrics has become a large company with so many customers, solving the pain of these customers being a core part of this. You see the dots. Like it's easy to see the, the dots connected from the very beginning of your story as a sell yourself. Was there ever, transitioning into like the mode, this period of time now, was there ever a, a, a moment in time for Ticketmetrics? Was there ever a turning point where things really started to scale and escalate very quickly? Or has it always kind of been a gradual increase up? What would you say? Yeah, no, well, yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think what was interesting, if you think about how it was incubated, the business model that I had was around reselling branded goods. And at the time, and the first customers were actually around repricing. Because in that world, in that business model for reselling, you weren't the exclusive seller of mm. the given product. And really the Amazon selling game, so to speak, was really around repricing. And, and Tokometrics was one of the first repricing companies. Not many people know that because of how we're more positioned as ads today. We also then started to offer inventory optimization because that was the other thing that kept me up at night which led me to be sleeping in the office um, because I bought too much inventory. So um, I think what was important, you know, relating to your question is in the early days, we were really catering to um, and, and actually doing quite well with no funding very early on as a side project to you know, the business that I had. The biggest sort of real step function was around the decision to evolve to cater to brands. Hmm. And I think for me, thinking through the journey of, that is e-commerce, what I was doing early on in college was an opportunity to really capture a window of time, you know, literally as a, as a college kid, call up Oakley sunglasses, make some money, and that's why I have so much respect for our customers today and what we do right now, because we're talking and working as Tokometrics today with brands, yep. the brands directly. Mm -hmm. So the biggest shift was that uh, ability to pivot Tokometrics into a company that caters to brands. And this is where luck comes in again. So in 20, um, 2017, and this is actually another sort of interesting history thing for me, at least, I had never actually met any Amazon employee in person. Oh, wow. And okay. all of my um, interactions with Amazon to that point were through, mainly through customer support and 
dealing with A to Z claims, suspensions, and and really, um, you know, all through phone. But I was able to get a meeting at Amazon with Paul Cotus, and Paul actually joined Amazon in 1996 as one of the very early um, key people at Amazon. Uh, he's still there on the S team, formerly reporting to Jeff Bezos. So we're talking about one of the very first leaders at Amazon working with Jeff Bezos really as the pioneering sort of leadership team in Amazon. And it was a pretty incredible time for me and, and something that I look back in my career as, as an exciting moment. So I, I went to Seattle for the first time, uh, had a coffee with Paul Cotus in Starbucks. And wow. um, Paul told me about buying donuts for the first six sellers on Amazon. And that would have been in sort of 2000, right before the marketplace got going. And I told him about my story and he, uh, at, at, at the time I met Paul, he, and still is the head of the advertising team mm -hmm. and really the guy that started the $50 billion business roughly that Amazon ads is today. And I was able to go upstairs in the Doppler building after having coffee with, with Paul. And I was able to talk to the Amazon ads team and take a metrics was one of the first partners for the Amazon ads API. And that's what really kickstarted us. Mm. Um, and you know, when you think about who Takeometrics is today, and you know, you Google us, and you think about what we are, I think there's obviously a lot of inertia around the ads piece. Mm. So as Amazon went from zero to fifty billion, um, we've grown, you know, to, to who we are today. And and that was one of the big tipping points for us to to really get a chance to work with that new API. And very very lucky to have able, been able to do that well that was was Ticketmetrics doing advertising at that time when you met with him well no, no one was doing advertising oh, okay at that time. okay no one was okay no, no no one was doing advertising and amazon uh had been doing some ads that were actually going off site hmm. there was nothing to do with sponsored products they were running display ads in fact there were some interesting ads that were there at the time where amazon was actually selling space to allow people to go off-site oh wow so the whole amazon ads concept that we see today was just you know nothing to do with that yeah um so it was a really big bet um it was not intuitive or clear at all that it was going to be a good bet mm. so we actually had to build an entirely new app we called it sponsored products optimizer or sp optimizer uh we built the app really quickly and we just went out there and re really didn't know what we were doing. And we just started offering optimization for your Amazon ads in a very, very scrappy way. Wow. And that product just accelerated extremely wow. quickly. Wow. And, and that's who we are today. So that leads up, that, that is the start. That's the origination of what we are seeing today with Takeometrics. And where does AI come into this piece? Because AI is a, a core, core part of Takeometrics today. And there, I feel like there's a sliver in this, this story from that turning point up to now where AI was introduced, has been introduced and has become a very core part. Where does that come into play? Yeah. And I think that's was well, great that you're asking that question because that was also one of the step functions. So the um, repricing optimization, you know, was, was pretty basic and, and rules-based. 
And then the inventory optimization tool that we called FBA Insight was really around more around the analytics, more around solving the problem of how much inventory do I have at FBA? If I buy too much, I've got stale inventory and it's costing me money and it's keeping me up at night. Or if I buy too little, I'm stocking out and I'm losing opportunity. So it, it was very, very valuable and was, was successful in, in, a, in a small way. But really it wasn't this idea of automation and constantly improving your business. So when we released Sponsored Product Optimizer, it was Takeometrics really jumping into machine learning and automation. At that time, and we're talking 2018 now, that really wasn't the AI wave. And, you know, of course in 2023, you know, where we are now in December, you know, AI is just absolutely exploded globally in 2023. Um, so it was Takeometrics being a pioneer in applied AI at a time before the big AI wave. And I think, you know, there's a lot of genuine um, pride for me that our entire company has been around automation from that point, you know, to today. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're ingesting 500 gigabytes a day of, of data. We've got mass, we've got 63 billion rows in our database. We've got, you know, 200 million SKUs from thousands of, of different brands and $10 billion worth of transactions. And it really is a big data company um, that's grown into this AI world. And that's why I'm so excited about the future because hmm. AI is, of course, red hot right now. We are pioneering a lot of things. I want to make an also a really exciting also uh, a point also is that we are now releasing some of the tools that look more similar to the original well, tools around inventory well. optimization. And, and this is where I have never set out to build an ads company. Mm. You know, our DNA is not in ads. It's about helping our businesses, helping these brands and sellers and entrepreneurs, big or small, be successful. And it's what are the levers that you can pull? Ads, pricing, inventory, what channels should you sell on? So I, I feel very excited heading into 2024, having this conversation because we're on the verge of actually coming full circle and creating that platform. And I think that's where we're going to see some, a really a new step function in the company. Yep. That's, ex that's really exciting to talk about. I, I'm curious, we're kind of winding down the conversation at this point in time. And I feel like we've had, it's been really interesting to see that point A, that the start of all this to where we are now. And there's so much more we could unpack, even just over the last year, to be honest, for, for the story, for your story and for Tikometric's story. But uh, we talked about uh, the aspect of certain problems not changing, okay? And there are two questions here. One is for you as Alistair, and one is for sellers, okay? You have... You can speak to both because you interact with sellers every single day and you were one, you were one of the first. For Alistair, what problem, what problems have not changed? From, from seller to CEO, what problems have remained the same for you? And that same question for the sellers. As a seller, what, what problems as a seller have not changed? From way back when in early 2000s, all the way up to now. What do you yeah, think? no, it's a great question. I mean, I think, you know, let's start with a seller who's our customer, 
I think the reality is it has not become any easier. You know, if you think about the amount of money and the transaction um, sort of value, when I started, it was 15% goes to Amazon. Now it's 53% goes to Amazon. So um, what's important there is just the challenge of the relationship hmm. with a brand and its channels. And it's always, as a brand owner, how do you get to your customers? So, you know, that's why Shopify in parallel to this whole sort of Amazon world that I've been part of has done incredibly well because it's allowed brands to have their own outlet. At the same time, one of the biggest questions is, well, how do I get more customers? If, if Amazon has 80% of US retail in prime, then, you know, you have to be there as well and you have to be on Walmart. So I think the challenges of how do I gain my, gain new customers? And how do I grow really has been the same. Um, and I, and that's the same journey for me going through eBay, you know, Yahoo shops, Amazon, and, and, you know, there were all these other channels that I signed up to work on as well, like Sears marketplace as an example, and who's ever heard of that as an example. So, you know, I think that that challenge is, is really about efficient growth. And if you're a brand, how complicated that is. And I would say it's becoming more complicated right now, which actually gives Takeometrics more opportunity to solve more complicated problems. Mm. TikTok shops, Walmart, Amazon, Shopify. These are all the channels that you need to be thinking about. And I'm really excited to fix those problems. We were focused on Amazon as the tip of the spear. We then became the first company to optimize with Walmart. And now we're talking about new things and we're releasing optimization for TikTok shops as an example. So it's harder than ever before. To go to the CEO question, I think, you know, it's less about a problem. It's more about, I think, being open-minded. Hmm. And, you know, if you think back and it's a long time ago and uh, Amazon really wasn't who it is today, right? And 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 really at that time, I guarantee that no one would have really heard of Jeff Bezos as an example. And it's hard to think in the moment about the evolution of a journey like that with a company like Amazon, because it just seems so in the moment dominant, but that mm -hmm. didn't happen overnight. So I think for us, and my mission for this company is to help sellers maximize their potential and brand owners maximize their potential. So I'm thinking about, well, what is the next channel? What is the next innovation point? Where is the, the journey for the sellers? And we're looking at these new things. We've done really well with Walmart. We've, I've been so fortunate to have conversations with the CEO of Walmart, as an example, be part of that Walmart growth story. We've helped a small amount with you know who Walmart is today. And I think that's good because that's innovation for consumers, making the world more efficient. It's it's innovation for brands. And I think, you know, some channels that are quite interesting, you know, we don't know yet, but TikTok shops could be really interesting. Meta could be interesting. Google could be interesting. So I actually think when you look at the next 10 years, it's sort of similar to that journey that I had. Like where where does this go? And it and it really is never gonna stop, right? I mean, what what will be there? from at least, you know, I think into infinity is people wanting to buy stuff, right? This has mm, been happening yep. since with, you know, 
ancient history. So I think I think it, I think it's exciting. I think it's a sort of limitless opportunity. The market is massive. There's no limits to the size of this market because you're basically talking about where people sell stuff, um, yep. and that and that's really the CEO question. You know, where is the best place to sell stuff? That's that's what I'm thinking about. One last question, and it it I wish we could talk about more because there's there are a whole lot of things that we could dive into, and we're gonna have to do another another episode not too far from now. Um, what is next in terms of AI? I think this this conversation around technology AI AI is a huge stepping stone. I think that that fact is still hitting people that this is sticking around. It's here to stay, and the level up I think level ups will come from AI. But what what is next? Truly, twenty twenty three was the year of AI in a lot of different ways. It wasn't the first year of AI, of course, but it really hit mainstream. So what what is next for AI? Yeah, I think it's still super early. I think we're already seeing some of these things that are entirely changing the game. So if you're a business owner or a business operator, I I think you need to embrace it. Whether that's um, you know if you're a a, a growing entrepreneur and I think if you think about what are you able to do to get an advantage, I think you have to embrace AI in every facet, really. Um, you know, I, I think the advantages that someone may have had before, let's use a simple one, and I've been thinking about this recently, uh, about, you know, let's say the ability to write a really, really well-crafted email. Now you can do that. Let's say you're in sales. Let's say you can do that really quickly with ChatGPT. I mean, that's at a very small scale. So you've got to really think, who are you competing against in the market that's using those tools if, if, if you're not? And I think your competitive, how are you going to differentiate yourself has to be something that you should be thinking about no matter what industry you're in, no matter what um, area of business you're in. So I think that's more of a generic comment I think in our category and in, in e-commerce, what I'm excited about is it is absolutely crucial and we're driving, you know, at our company, Take Metrics, tons of value from this because it's just beyond human capability, right? The ability to get thousands of products, let's say if you're selling thousands of products across all the different channels, making better decisions, it's really applied AI. And I think that, um, you know, the idea that people trust automation is great. I think, you know, as an example, when we launched the first tool, Sponsored Product Optimizer, we did have a lot of people who tried the tool come back and say, I think I can do this manually better. Or, um, and it would always be a confusing sort of conversation for me, you know, being close on the product and, and just saying, well, how is that possible? We're changing these bids and changing these keywords every at, at, at a rate that's just beyond human capability. So I think this gives companies, like I think the, I think business owners are really embracing it. So if you're yep. running a startup, you're running a software company that that is sort of AI first, you've got so much more momentum than you would have had three or four years ago. Um, the, the real question though is, what's your differentiation? Because everyone else is saying the same thing. Yep. And, um, you know, we haven't had to change our website. We haven't had to change our branding that much because we've been saying this for some time. 
but what's important for us is what is really AI and its differentiation between our, our competitors as an example. So mm. I think a lot of my thinking is around competition, actually, you yeah. know, you know, it's yeah. about being embracing new technologies. And, and, and I think the folks that are going to embrace them faster are going to be the ones that get ahead. Which is a very tangible uh, reality. If you're a seller and you're on Amazon and a competitor is leveraging AI to do certain functions, run ads, optimize keywords, and you're not, then there's a, it's kind of a fact that there's, they just have more capacity to do certain things at a scale that you can't, if you're not using AI, good AI, good tools that leverage AI to do those. That's things. right. That's right. Um, I mean, that's a great point. And you know, that's very much central to what we believe and that's what our customers are seeing from us. And I'm, I'm really excited about that. I think one of the challenges is proving that these actions actually improve performance yeah. and what would be the counterfactual meaning if you didn't run this AI algorithm and you weren't using our tool or any other tool, what would have happened? Hmm. And, um, I think that's a sort of an interesting concept. What is the counterfactual? There's much more to come. We're, we're at time now. So I, long story short, the story of your origination from your dorm room, from selling, selling things on the earliest, earliest version possible of Amazon, all the way up to CEO and founder, Metrics software, AI. There's so much to unpack here and there's more to come in the future. But Alistair, thank you so much for, for just sharing your story. It's really, 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 it, it just paints a, a really amazing picture of your journey and of, of the problems that you're solving, that Ticketmetrics is solving and that the pain that people experience as sellers today and it's interesting to look back and see the pain that they have always experienced. Sellers have always experienced through this entire timeline. So Alistair, thank you again. Looking forward to more conversations in the future. Thank you so much, Cameron. Really appreciate it. Thank you all for watching or listening to the very first episode of Human in the Loop. My name is Cameron. Just as a couple last bits of information here, if you're not following us on social media, you'll want to do so. What I'm going to do with each of these episodes is splice and dice the, the biggest, most impactful portions of these conversations and put them out on social media. So there's a lot, there's going to be a lot to unpack in every single one of these episodes. And I know short form content is a really big deal nowadays. So if you want some of the main pieces of these conversations, follow us on Instagram, follow us on TikTok, Facebook, LinkedIn, whatever it is, wherever you are, there will be content that we're putting out from this show to follow you along the way. And these are the best nuggets of information, the best tidbits of information that are going to be on our social media. So follow us on social. Next week, we're walking through the most important metrics and data from 2023 from an advertiser's perspective with Laura Pattison. So keep an eye out for that. I'll see you next week.